Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue with the Bible Crossfire Radio Program. Appreciate you listening to us every week. Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9 reads this way. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. There are a number of things we can learn from this passage. First, there is a burning, H-E-L-L. This is a place where God will take vengeance on the wicked with, quote, flaming fire. They will be, quote, punished with everlasting destruction, according to this text. Second thing we can learn is that we must, quote, know God in order to avoid this everlasting destruction. But what does it mean to know God? Knowing God is more than just knowing about God. I know about Vice President Pence, but I do not know Vice President Pence. I have never met him. I don't know what he's like or how he approaches things personally. So if we know God, that means we have learned and accepted from his word what he is like and how he approaches things. I would say the phrase in Acts 8.37 is equivalent here. If thou believest with all thine heart. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8 requires that we know God. And that means we believe in him with all our heart. But even that is not enough to avoid being lost. The third thing we learn from this passage is that the verse mentions another condition we must meet to be saved in addition to knowing God. And that is we must, quote, obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right away, then, we should be able to see that salvation is not by faith only. This verse requires faith, all right enough, but in addition to faith, it clearly also requires obeying the gospel. If we want to avoid being lost, we must both know God, that is, believe in God, and we must obey the gospel. But what does it mean to obey the gospel? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 puts it this way. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Obeying the gospel, obeying the truth, same thing. How do we obey the truth? John seventeen seventeen says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So obeying the truth simply means obeying God's word. I want you to notice the following other passages that also make our salvation contingent upon obeying God and not just believing only. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 reads this way. And being made perfect, he, talking about Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. That would mean that if we don't obey him, we won't receive eternal salvation, right? How about Matthew seven twenty one? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. How about James two twenty four? You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Most preachers say we're saved by faith only, not by works. This verse says that we're saved by works and not by faith only. It's right there in your Bible, James 2.24. How about Revelation 22.14? Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Obviously talking about the gates of the city of heaven. You have to do his commandments to get there. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Another passage that teaches that we're going to be judged based upon what we do. Of course we're going to be judged based upon whether or not we believe in Jesus. But this passage and these others I've quoted show that we're going to be judged based upon whether or not we obey Jesus too. You can't just say, I believe in Jesus and not believe what he says. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but I don't agree with what he says when he teaches against homosexuality. No, you can't do that. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but I don't agree with what he says when he teaches the one and only cause for divorce is for fornication. I don't agree with that. I'm not going to practice that. You can't do that. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe he's the Son of God, then you have to believe what he says on every topic, even if you don't agree with it. Even if you don't understand it. That's what trusting Jesus is all about. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. You can get in right now with your Bible question or comment. Is there any doubt that we have to obey God to be saved? This is the thing, the one thing that stands out in my mind stands out in my mind as the thing that most denominational churches leave off. That it is necessary to obey God to be saved. Almost all of them teach you gotta believe <coughs> you gotta believe in God to be saved. And most of them will say, and that's all you have to do. They'll usually put it this way. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you'll be saved. And what they mean by that is all you gotta do is believe. But we've just looked at a number of passages that teach not only do you have to believe, but you have to obey God. Not only do you have to believe, but you have to obey God. And we get that to start with from the passage we started out with. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8-9 In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who should be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That verse teaches conclusively that to avoid flaming fire, to avoid everlasting destruction from God, you have to both know God and obey the gospel. Obedience is necessary to salvation. Michael from New Hampshire, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, my question is, we were just talking about spirit of fornication in the Bible. Um, we have to obey it. What, what exactly does that mean? Now, talking about fornication, did I reference that from Matthew nineteen nine about divorce? Uh, Is that what you're talking about? Maybe that's what it just was, yeah, because you were talking about how we have to obey, and you were talking about homosexuality, and then the next statement was about the spirit of fornication. It may have been Matthew. Okay. Perhaps what I was talking about, as I mentioned briefly, that if we believe in Jesus, we have to believe what he said, and that is the only scriptural cause for divorce is for fornication. Let me read for you, Michael. Mean? What, what let me mean? I, I'm going to read for you Matthew 19:9 for the whole audience, and then I'll tell you what it means. Whosoever oh, shall put whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Now, fornication means any unlawful sexual intercourse. And so, what that verse is saying, Michael, is that my wife's name is Carol. That if I divorce her for any reason other than the fact that she cheats on me sexually, then that divorce is unscriptural, is sinful. And if I remarry, Jesus says it's adultery. 
So fornication is unlawful sexual intercourse. You cannot, according to Jesus, divorce your spouse for any other cause. Do you see that from that verse, Michael? Right. But what about if your spouse divorces you? Well, the second part of that verse helps us with that. It says, Whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. So if my wife divorces me, then I can't remarry because Jesus said whoever marries the put away person commits adultery. I would be committing adultery if I remarry when my wife puts me away. God expects Carol and myself to fulfill our vows, the vows we made 30-something years ago, that we're going to stay together till death do us part. That's what he expects us to do. Make sense, Michael? You know, yeah, so it makes sense. So if you remarry, you will go to hell, you're saying, kind of? If you don't repent of adultery or fornication or lying, you, ha- you have to no, repent yeah, of those to sins repent. to go to heaven. Yeah. But you can get remarried, though, I'm saying, or no, you can't get remarried. No, no, of course you can't remarry because when, he says if you remarry, that's adultery. So if you're, gonna, if you're in that second marriage and you repent of adultery, that means you're going to quit committing that adultery. You're going to quit sleeping with that second wife. You're going to terminate the marriage so that you can go to heaven. God doesn't, he expects us to repent, not just to report. We can't just say, I'm sorry for committing fornication or adultery with this new wife, but I'm going to stay in the marriage. That's just reporting, not repenting. We got to actually repent of it. That means we got to make up our mind we're going to quit it. And that would require that we terminate that marriage and quit committing adultery with that second wife. See that from Matthew 19, 9, Michael? Yeah. yeah. So what, even if you had an, what about if you had an annulment from the first marriage? How does that work? Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about getting annulments. I think that's just a Catholic doctrine that they made up. But what you can do if your spouse cheats on you sexually, you can divorce them for that reason and remarry without committing adultery. But anything other than that, you can't. And so you have to stick with them. Romans 7, oh. 2, and 3 says the wife is bound, and that just simply means obligated, bound to her husband as long as he lives. So so Carol and I are bound together, obligated to each other to as long as we live. Yeah, well, till death do us part as we as we said in our vows. Yeah. See, I'm my, already divorced. I was just asking because I'm not remarried, but it caught my attention when you said that because I thought I could remarry as long as I had an annulment. You mean the but Catholic Church? Not true. The Catholic Church gave you an annulment? It's in the process, yes. Yeah. So I'm just curious because it has really nothing to do with what the Bible says, I don't think, but what's their reason? Why are they giving you an annulment? So if you want to remarry, that the, that the first marriage will, would not be official because I didn't get married inside the church. I just got married by a, a justice of the peace because I hadn't found God at the time. So I was never married in the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church says you need to be in, married in the Catholic Church in order for the marriage to be mm-hmm. constituted. Okay. So I'm not really sure. So of course there's grounds for annulment. They're saying you're all right, but if they don't approve the annulment, then no, you can't remarry. But because uh-huh. I wasn't married in the Catholic Church, I was just married by a justice of the peace in San Diego, so, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's nothing like there's nothing like that, any of that in the Bible. Right. Okay. So pretty much, I can never remarry. Well, I, I cannot remarry then. Oh, correct. Michael, and I just want to go to heaven. Me, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I know, Michael. How about if I, I've got your number, 
how about some of these things involve uh, personal matters? I think we've talked a lot about your situation enough for the general audience to hear. How about if I call you later and we talk about some of these things, specifically how the Bible applies to you specifically? Would that be okay? Sounds good. Thank you for your time so much. Because I don't want to just uh, talk about your situation, the specifics of it personally over this nation national audience. Okay, I'll call you later. Thank you for your call, Michael. God bless. Thank you. Okay. Dawn from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi. Yeah. Um, listen, I was listening to what you were saying about obedience, and um, I know you're telling the truth, although I, I find it hard to find it uh, any other Christians that are telling me what you're telling me. Um, they don't tell you that. They just say, accept Jesus in your heart, and like what you were saying. But I know what you're saying is true. Here's my issue. I'm afraid I'm a reprobate because I can't seem to obey. I've, I think I've lived in sin and, and abominations for so long that um, I might be a reprobate. And I, I, I'm struggling with how do I submit to God? How do I become obedient? How do how do I make that happen? I don't know how what I just don't know how to get out of it all out of all the sin and the bad habits and 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 I'm I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to have to repent of your sins. Yeah, but repent is to change. It's not just yep. to say I'm sorry. I got to change and and I don't I, I don't have that power. I don't have that willpower within me. And, and so, I mean, it's up to me, right? Or is Jesus going to help me change? I mean, if I just keep reading the Bible and reading the Bible, will that transform me? Will that help me get reborn? How do I get reborn, like what Nicodemus is talking about? It may take you some time. God, the part, the rebirth process involves God's part is to forgive us of our sins. Our part is to turn from our sins. But you still have a free will, so you can change any sin. You can make up your mind. You're going to quit committing that sin. But that's up to you. You're going to have to do that. Okay? Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So we have to repent. Yes, God will help you repent through the urging of his word. The word of the gospel is the power of God into salvation. So we study the Bible. That, and by studying and reading the Bible, we develop faith. We develop a motivation, the motivation for wanting to serve God. But you have to spend time in the Bible to develop that motivation, enough motivation to try to get out of sin. You follow me? Okay, so, like, do you think, like, you know about the reprobate doctrine? Like, reprobate silver? No, I don't know about that doctrine. But God will forgive you of any sin except for the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, Matthew 12, 31 and 32. So, every other sin God is willing to forgive you for, but you have to repent. And that does take some willpower, but it's something you have to develop. And I think it's that comes through reading and studying the Word of God because the power's there in the Word. And that you'll develop, if you do that, you'll develop the motivation to want to serve the Lord. Well, I want to serve Him, but it just seems like I just, 
I don't know. I just I can't quit hey. smoking. I can't. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you I'm gonna, I'm gonna take another call right now. I'll call you later and we'll talk about this further. Okay, off the air. Okay. Well, please call me. Please do that. I need help. What's your first name? Don. I will call you. I will call you tonight. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your call. All right. Bye. Chris from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hello. Um, I was listening to you. Uh, Quoting the Bible on the reasons that are acceptable for divorce, the only one evidently being fornication. And I just had a question if there's anywhere in the Bible that addresses physical abuse, because I did get divorced many years ago and escaped with the clothes on my back, and I almost lost my life a few times. And my mother at the time was very Catholic, and she said to me, well, you know, maybe if you go talk to the priest, he would let you back into the church and all, and I told her, I said, Mother, the God that I know would never want me to stay in a marriage where I would be murdered, or my family mm-hmm. possibly would too, so could you comment on that, please? Thank you. Thank you for your call, Chris, okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. Matthew 19.9 is not going to change. No matter how much we want it to change, it's going to read the same way. I can't change it. I can't bend what God's Word says in order to facilitate any kind of compromise. Jesus said in Matthew 19.9, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. So it's clear from that verse the only scriptural cause for divorce is if they cheat on you sexually for fornication. Now if you're in an abusive relationship that doesn't give you the right to divorce the person. Okay? As if you could remarry. If somebody is abusing if a man is abusing his wife the wife can't divorce him but she ought to call the police and have him thrown in jail just like if any other person was trying to assault her. He ought to be thrown in jail. Doesn't give the right of divorce. Matthew 19.9 gives us the only scriptural cause for divorce, and that's for fornication. We must not compromise anything that God says. If we compromise on even one thing, then the next person is going to ask us to compromise on something else. Or if we compromise, for example, say there's another cause for scriptural divorce, abuse, then another person is going to come around and say, but if they can get a divorce for that, even though it's not in the Bible, then what about this? A third cause. So we must not compromise, because if we compromise one thing, we'll end up compromising the whole Bible. The wife who's being abused cannot divorce her spouse scripturally. Only if he cheats on her sexually can she do that. But she can call the police and have him thrown in jail. Jason from Georgia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. How you doing, brother? I was just wanting to ask about, like, in, in the Bible where it says that what enters our body doesn't defile us, it's what comes out of us. Now, uh-huh. I have a struggle with, like, dipping a lot, you know? With what? And with, like, dipping. Dipping like Skull or Copenhagen, yes, that kind of dipping. Like Copenhagen stuff. Yes, sir. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And I used to think, you know, I used to tell people that 
it's not what entered our body that this is what's coming out. Then I said, the more I do closer to God, you know, I kind of felt conviction of it. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, I don't know how to go about the scripture, you know. Well, Matthew 15 says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So he had said in verse 17, he had said, Do you not yet understand that what whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. So you're yes, right, sir. in a sense, in a sense, the things that go in are not the problem, it's the things that go out. That's the point Jesus is making here. Okay. But, you know... Ryan, I appreciate you, man. Uh, there's a passage, if I can find it, if, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 10. Um... All right. Um, hold on a minute. Okay. Well, I guess I'm not going to be able to find it right now. But it talks about becoming um, a slave to anything. And so it, it basically is basically saying, and I'll try to find that before we go off the air, that right. we can't come under bondage of anything. Okay? So I don't yes, think it's, it would be wise or good to become addicted to anything at all. Okay? You're talking yes, about sir. being addicted to tobacco. Because when you become addicted mm-hmm. to something, you come under the power of that, and it's going to get in the way of you serving the Lord faithfully. Okay? I agree with you totally. Jason, and, thank uh, you for your call. Are y'all uh, on the air every week? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're on the air uh, every Sunday night at this time, okay? All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Th- thank you for your call, Jason. And y'all have a blessed night. Okay. And so what we've been talking about while we've been waiting on calls, and I, I should announce the number again, is 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 Five, five. We've been talking about obedience and how that obedience is necessary to salvation. Well, we saw that in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Jesus, it says, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now, what does that mean? That means that if you don't obey him, you won't receive eternal salvation. Again, let me quote the verse again. Hebrews 5, verse 9, talking about Jesus, says he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So if we're not obeying Christ, we're not going to receive eternal salvation. Does that make sense? If we're not obeying Christ, we will not receive eternal salvation. You know, where this sometimes leads to this doctrine that you don't have to obey Christ so many times leads to the false doctrine of once saved, always saved. Because that's really the doctrine is that once you become a Christian, you don't have to obey God. You can live willy-nilly, do anything you want to, and still be saved. But that won't work. 
Galatians chapter 5 verse 4 says, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. And so definitely a person can fall from grace. We see that happening in Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. Dave, only have one minute. Make your question really quick. Okay, I just, okay, I just want to know what happens to the people who get divorced and don't know about the fornication. I mean, don't get divorced, but they get married and uh, don't know about the fornication. And they go ahead and marry, get divorced and marry somebody else. They have to get divorced again. So then they're committing adultery a second time. So what happens to them? And also... So we're going to have to go off the air, but no, Jesus in Matthew 19.9 is only talking about scriptural marriages. Okay? John the Baptist told Herod when he was in an unscriptural marriage in Mark chapter 6, verse 17 to 18, it's not lawful for you to have her. He demanded that they get out of that marriage because it was unscriptural. We're going to have to go off the air. Give me a call if you'd like to have a, a, a phone Bible study. A Bible study one hour over the phone at 256-682-9753.